Yes, g'day, and thanks for tuning in to the latest edition of the Duck and Rico's Red Dirt podcast, broadcasting through Blue Collar Media from Duck Creek Central, out on the banks of the Hawkesbury River. A big thank you to all of those who came up and said day to us last week at the uh, four-wheel drive and adventure show out at Eastern Creek. It was great to see you all out there, and we were quite actually we were taken back, a, uh, taken aback a little bit there actually because. Uh, We've only done a couple of podcasts and plenty of you out there have already tuning into it and we're wrapped in that. This week on the podcast, we'll rediscover the Bush Tucker Man. We'll take a drive along the Canning Stock Route. We'll also check in with Charmaine Perry, our girl Shazza, who will tell us about a new beer that we hope and everybody else hopes that will help out our farmers. And we'll have a chat with Australian country music artist James Blundell and see what's been doing with him. We'll shoot the breeze and we'll talk anything about the Australian outdoors and um, if it's like it usually is here on the podcast, we certainly will get sidetracked as well. So kick back, grab a beer, grab a cup of tea, whatever it is you're doing, and spend a little bit of time with a couple of knockabout blokes, the Duck and Rico, and there wouldn't be a podcast without a Rico because I'm the Duck and Rico sitting here. G'day, mate. G'day, mate. How you going? Mate, not too bad, mate. And what about, how good was the uh, four-wheel drive and adventure show last week? Mate, I only managed to get out there for a few hours on a Saturday due to some other commitments, but, mate, I was... Uh Blown away, almost literally. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty windy out there. Yeah, it certainly was, and there's been a bit of wind around the place, as you can see, and I've got a few days of cleaning up here, I can tell you. But, yeah. um, mate, there were trees snapped down over cars down the road here. There was power out everywhere. It was. I was out at the show on the Friday. Mate, I've got to tell you, I thought the whole thing was in doubt, especially the following day. Yeah. I mean, the, the place was set up. It was massive. It was, it was the biggest show, the fullest show, I would say, ever had out at Eastern Creek. And then the wind came, and there were gazebos, signs. I think a caravan blew over. There was a flat screen, t- a flat screen, a big screen, like a, one of those big screens, landed on a two hundred series. And then there were camper trailers, uh, copping an absolute workout, and a couple of the tents that were set up. And I thought, and then all of a sudden, and that was the end of the day on Friday, on on Thursday rather, and uh, or the Friday, and uh, we thought we were just in trouble here, and. Um, Anyway, somehow or other, the next morning, everyone got back in early, tidied up. Yep, and all the, troopers. And the show went. So, uh, but it was certainly was a uh, it was a it was a big show. I've I've got to say, well done, Woodsy. It certainly is the best one I think that they've had out there, the biggest anyway. And that, at this new stage, I worked on the content creator stage, which was put together by Ronnie Dale. And uh, when we say the content creator stage, what that was is the content that you see on YouTube. So if you get your fix of your four-wheel drive and travel on YouTube, there's all these blokes on there. There's um, Explore 4x4 and uh, and uh, Built Not Bought. And yeah, all there's, these there's a bunch of them, weren't there? Ronnie Dale and all these other people. and they um, draw a crowd? Absolutely. And um, there was they certainly did draw a crowd. So we all hooked up on the, um, on the Thursday night for beers. And sort of all met each other because I was emceeing this stage. Yep. And, uh, and I wasn't sure what to expect. I've got to tell you, the energy and the and the entertainment was was, was A grade. I mean, there was like Top Gear. <laughs> Blokes driving in, you know, souped up, four, you know, big block, you know, motors fitted in land cruisers and revving them up and then showing some video and they had some pretty flashy intros, each of them. And, um, and they'd have a bit of a... Um, so they had the stage set up, then you'd drive the four-wheel drive in and there was all the seating apart from that. And then um, they did a walk around, some of the builds, yep. and you know, and did all that. So some of it was fairly educational and then they had a lot of fun, these blokes. They had a, had a tank, dunk tank there, which they were dropping each other into that. And um, look, the, more or less, it, it was just 
full of energy, absolutely full of energy, and it was really good to see. And uh, I, um, the thing that uh, I, I enjoyed the most was just the new ideas and the things that people are coming up with to get people into the four-wheel drive scene, mate. Yeah, mate, I, like I said, I was only there for the few hours on the Saturday. I managed to get over for a bit of a look, and, and the crowd there was bigger than the crowd over on the, the traditional stage, which mm. just, for me... That, that blew me away. I was gobsmacked. Yeah, I think once you saw the likes of um, Graham and Sean up on that stage, all that would have changed. And, and Jace, I think he pulled the crowd down there and Pat Callan and um, and others. I mean, but uh, yeah, you're right. I, I, there were people at this other stage all day. And uh, and it was good to see a few of the people that you see on the main stage actually sitting in the crowd. I looked down at one point and here's Graham Cahill sitting there watching these young blokes. And, uh, and then it was good to see... Jason Andrews and Graham Cahill having beers with these blokes, at, you know, at night time. You know, we had the, the uh, you know, they'd put on the industry drinks and then yeah, of course. we all went and kicked on and had a feed and, and a couple of beers. And um, and it was good to see uh, those blokes. Because these blokes that are on these YouTube channels now are only on these YouTube channels now because they've watched Graham and they've watched Jason, you know what I mean? And they, they, they admit that. Yeah, of course. You know, and, Absolutely. Uh, and I mean, you, you talk to them and you talk to them about the lives that they had. They were just normal blokes watching all this stuff, and, you know, and the stuff you've done, and thought, you know, we'll have a crack at this. Put it on YouTube, and now it's their full-time job. <laughs> it's yeah, unbelievable. That's, that, that's just awesome. I'm, yeah. I'm so happy for these blokes. Yeah. Getting out there, having a crack, and, yeah. and doing what they love. You can't beat it. Yeah, well, I said to Sam Isles, and I said to Woodsy the other the other night, I think he's, the, he, I think honestly, I believe, he, he's been on the radio show with us a couple of times, Sam. And uh, there's Bluey in the background just um, checking things out, just doing his security run, uh, Rico. But um, he will be the biggest thing in years to come in this game. I mean, he is just on the job and uh, full of energy. And there's Bluey on the job yeah. as well. Barking um, at the magpies, I think. Yeah, I don't know what he's up to out there, mate. But anyway, <laughs> but uh, we'll keep him in the podcast. People like it. It's good yeah. to see. He's part of the team here, Bluey. He's out there just doing the – isn't he? Yeah, now, good on you. Now you won't do it. <laughs> right, there he goes, right on uh, cue. Good on you, Blue. Right on cue. Anyway, so, um, he's spotted something out there. But anyway, so, he will be, I think, because of the way he does it, and it's a bit like Top Gear, you yep. know. Louie, what are you doing out there? Anyway, so, he's um, he's a bit like Top Gear, and um, where he does all these different little projects, and they got a falcon out there, and they rip the you know, angle grinder out and cut the... Wheel arches out and fitted a set of forties <laughs> on the thing, and then did donuts and burnout. I, yeah, I mean, it's, you do. it's all exciting and it's all energetic and it's all well done. And uh, and and I think at some point someone will pick him up and go, "Yeah, mate, come and do some of this stuff with us." And by the way, here's a big check. Yeah, nice. And good luck to him, mate. And that's nice. what we want. We love to see young blokes and and girls as well. And and that was another thing too. Um, there was a girl there named uh, Danny Simpson, and. Um, Plenty of people are following her on Instagram. Yeah, she's got around 60,000 followers on yeah. Insta. Just and, shy. But, mate, let me tell you something. A rural down-to-earth country girl. She she was born in Mackay. She grew up in Townsville and um, built herself up a four-wheel drive. This is the best bit. She's a mechanic, a heavy vehicle mechanic for the Air Force. Now, there you go. And uh, so she's doing all her own mods and everything else. To, and, and nothing over the top, just enough to suit her and her travels. And uh, so we spent some time with her on stage and stuff. So she'll be joining us on the radio this week for a bit of a chat. She's a bit staked in that. Yeah, awesome. Oh, yeah. She'll get great. Yeah. So um, and oh, the thing I liked about her is that because it's always been a bit of a blokey thing, the four-wheel drive scene, or appeared to be. There's more girls getting into it now. And when you've got girls like like Danny Simpson and others, 
that are building four-wheel drives and getting out there with swags and stuff. It just it just shows. And there's a few around that are doing oh, absolutely it. absolutely. And it's good to see. I mean, you see how many times have you seen that one around here? I mean, you don't live far from here that gets around with the um, with the big uh, pink R.M. Williams yes. longhorn sticker on the back and pink number plate frames. But it's a big yeah. 79 series all done up and... Hey, good on you, girls. It's good to see you're loving it, and there's no reason why you can't no, absolutely. Uh, can't can't get into it. And uh, to be honest, you'll probably do a better job than us anyway. Look, the only limitation is the ones you place on yourself. You know? yeah. If you want to do it bad enough, you get out there and do it. Yeah, exactly right. But anyway, so good on you. And all those people who came up and uh, and said g'day if you were at the show and there was a stack of you, I was a bit a bit shocked. We've only done two podcasts, Rico. Yeah, I copped it as well, mate. Yeah. I spent... Uh, That'll be that'll oh, be my that'll phone. That'll be your phone. That's that's my phone. This is a this is real. Just hang on a minute. We'll put this bloke on speaker. This is oh, look this is that. actually the boss of Kicks Country Radio. Let's just get him okay. on. Okay. And here he is. Yeah, yeah, David. I can't. He can't. Uh, I'll put him on speaker. Yeah, you there, Dave? Yes, mate. Yeah, yeah. G'day. Just say g'day to all our listeners on the uh, Duck and Rico's Red Dirt podcast. You've called my phone <laughs> while we're in the middle of the podcast. Yeah, that's right. We are, mate. Yeah, that's good. We, I mean, you know what? Most people would do this and edit this out, but we're not doing that. Like, we just had the dog barking at the outside. So now we've got the boss of Kicks Country Radio on the phone. <laughs> and for those of you who listen to the camping and off-road radio show, we broadcast right across Kicks Country, Rico. Yeah, that's right. So, David, is it all right if I give you a call back, mate? Yeah, not a problem. Yeah, good stuff. And yeah, everyone can hear you because I've got the phone right up to the mic. What about David's radio voice? Yeah, isn't it a cracker? One of the best, one give, of the best. Tell, tell him to give us a sample. I'm telling you, he's got the. I'm telling you, he's got gold plated tonsils. Give, give us a time call. <laughs> can you just hey, while you're there, David? If you can just do a. You're listening to the Duck and Rico's Red Dirt podcast. <laughs> you're listening to the Duck and the Red Dirt podcast. <laughs> and Rico one, as well. One Good of on the you, best. mate. One Thanks, of the David. Best. I'll call you later, mate. And Rico. And Rico. <laughs> Thanks, mate. You'll want to put this show on your network too one day. We'll talk to you later. See you, mate. And that was David Greenwood <laughs> from Kicks Country Radio. And this that's podcast gold. is pretty real, so that's that's good. And that's what we uh, we try to keep it. We try to keep it real. And, it oh, is, and that, I mean, on radio, obviously, we go, "What's going on here?" and stuff. And we and we got time constraints and all that. But well, in television, mate, if that happened, if uh, if we were shooting a piece to camera and your phone went off, you'd be up for a case of beer for everyone in the crew. Oh, fair income. Yeah, that's yeah. the rules. Well, I can tell you what happens. When you, if you ever walk into a live radio studio with your phone um, on and it rings, yep, you're in trouble. The only thing you can do that's even, that's worse than that is be in the studio before the program starts and walk out and leave your phone in there somewhere, like where you were sitting <laughs> or something. I've seen oh, that done as well. So uh, you've got to be very, very careful. But um, with the podcast, we want to keep this fair income. You know, we don't care. She's oh, raw. Absolutely. We want to keep it real. And that's why we think people like it. But how good is that? David Greenwood from Kicks Country Radio. And uh, like I say, our camping and off-road radio show, that's a part of our network. And he's obviously ringing me well, he probably for something heard, important. He probably heard that James Blundell's going to be on later on. Actually, I should have told him that. We could yeah. ring him back. And, uh, and that's right. James Blundell will be on the... Uh, the program uh, today, which will be good, mate. Yep, looking forward to that. Now, you've done some stuff with him, haven't you? So tell yeah, us a bit we did. about that. So we, we did a trip on the Off-Road Adventure Show. In fact, it, I think it rates up there with one of the best things I ever did in my five years on the show mm. and over 60 episodes. It, um, that, that was just, yeah, phenomenal. So he travelled with us from Magnetic Island. Yep. 
out to uh, Julia Creek for the Dirt and Dust Festival. That's right. I remember that. I remember we got you on the radio once to talk about that. Yeah. Didn't you have to do some swim on your guts in the mud and everything? Bog snorkelling, mate. They have a they have a bog snorkelling competition out there at the Dirt and Dust Festival. They also have a triathlon, which I gave a miss. Yep. Why? And, uh, yeah, look, I think you have to be in shape for that and, and not the shape that I'm in, which is round. Yep. So, yeah, I didn't qualify, unfortunately. Um, I actually sat in the pub there and, and watched all the cyclists go by and change into their running strides, and off they went. Yep. They had a couple of cold ones and cheered them on. Yeah, no, fair enough. But, uh, yeah, it was great. So James travelled with us, and around the campfire each night, we'd pull the guitars out, and uh, unbeknownst to me at the time, we were actually rehearsing because mm. he pulled me up on the stage at the Dirt and Dust Festival mm. to do a song with him. But I can't play. You play the guitar. Should yeah, bring one up yeah. here one day. Oh, mate, I wouldn't do that. No, 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 no. Now that you've revealed it, we'll get it. You'll get you on, and uh, you can do a bit of a live number. Oh. <laughs> it was funny. I, I mean, I look. I can play the drums. I can play the harmonica. But I, apart from that, I'm not very musical. Like I can't play the guitar or anything like that. One thing I cannot do is sing. Yeah, same. So Adam Harvey got me up at an outdoor country concert in Toowoomba one day. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. He's another good bloke. We'll get yep. him on one day yeah, as we well. Should. I've had a few beers in Harvey's bar. It's not too bad. Yep. The Bush Tucker Man, mate. What about what are we going to do there? So, yeah, we're going to have a chat about uh, one of my heroes, Major Les Hiddens, the Bush Tucker Man. Yep. Uh, of course, he had the iconic show back in the 80s or late 80s on, on the ABC, the Bush Tucker Man. Yep. Uh, but he's done a lot of other stuff as well, so we'll we'll delve into that a little bit and and uh, and talk about what he's been up to. And he's, he's sort of just made a bit of a comeback, really. He launched a website. Yeah. Well, we actually played one of his songs on the Camping and Off-Road Radio Show as our intro, Down on the Farm. Well, that's James Blundell. Oh, no. Yeah, not. we're talking about the Bush Tucker Man. Yeah, I know that. Sorry. Oh, I'm just thinking, no, no, I was just thinking out loud while you were talking to me. <laughs> but um, so, okay, so you've got the Bush Tucker Man, and then we've got, uh, we're going to go down on the, the Canning Stock Route. The Canning Stock Route. So we'll talk about... That was about one of my best scenes. That was because I was not listening oh, and thinking... You, you are on fire. You know you? why? Because I was thinking about how we're going to uh, get him on the phone through this desk while you're talking about the Bush Tucker Man. Like <laughs> I said, this is a fair income, real... Podcast, this one. I think we need Warts to move the, the, the podcast a little bit further away from the beer fridge, mate. Yeah, exactly <laughs> I right. I think that's what oh, might be going on It is on between here. two of them. <laughs> anyway, someone asked me the other day, says, is that fair dinkum? I said, yeah. Absolutely. Well, we're not drinking beers while we're doing it, but we'll certainly get into them later. Yep. Uh, okay, so that's we look forward to that. And I think everyone knows who the Bush Tucker Man is. Oh, of course. Uh, except me, because I'm sitting here thinking about James Blundell. Um, also, um, the Canning Stock Yeah, route. the Canning Stock Route. We'll talk a little bit about uh, how that came about, why, why it was put in. Mm. Um, you know, some of the features along the way and yep. what you can expect to see. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, well, there's a good video out there if anyone's interested on the Canning Stock Route that was done by the Gall Boys. Yeah, didn't they do some wild stuff? Oh, they, they are. Look, look the, talk about real. Loose. Mate, that's a great... I love the Gall Boys. I mean, the stuff they do with, the, you know, the Kedron Caravans and they get out and test them and just the whole way is that, you know, they're taking the piss out of each other, they give it to the old man. Yep. Um... It's all fair income. It's just the way they do it, it's just a bit different than what you normally see with yeah, a lot of them. And the they're still getting around those boys too. Of course they are. They're yeah. still doing stuff. And um, and they do uh, – we should get one of them on one day. I mean, I know a couple of them. and um, mate, They just uh, they just get out there and have a go. But some of the stuff is very funny. But then the the music they use and everything else, you know, the yeah. music, it's all good stuff. And um, and I'm sure you, uh, those of you who know what we're talking about have seen them on YouTube and stuff like that and uh, – they were doing the DVDs. I'm not sure if they've produced any DVDs. Like they do a lot of live Facebook stuff now, especially when they're 
they're delivering vans to their customers and things like that. Yeah, I haven't seen anything from the boys for a while, but yeah, uh, yeah those videos back in the day on the DVDs, they yeah. were great. Yeah, absolutely. I know. What, what was it, Dave? You got in the tent up at um, Birdsville, that yep. boxing tent. Yeah, the brophies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that'd, that'd be your go, wouldn't it? You'd have a crack at that. that oh, not not yeah, not these days. I've got to tell you, there's an old mate of mine uh, who would still have a go at it. Who used to do it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think he got done too often either. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah, he just had surgery the other day. I hope you're going all right, Pete. But um, he, uh, yeah, he used to get into that, and they'd go to the, and he'd go around and tour, and get. He was one of the blokes that would, you know, they used to have it in the old. Do you remember the old Miller's pubs? You might be a bit young. No, I'm a bit young for that. Yeah, well, there used to be, there used to be, and some of the older people out there listening would know about Miller's pubs. They were everywhere, and um, there was one somewhere. I can't remember where it was. Where they had one out in the car park. Well, this is going back. I was only a little kid. I yeah. remember the old man going down there. He was only going down there for the for the Miller's beer. Um, <laughs> Not he to could punch have, on. He could have even been drinking DA at the time. Remember that? <laughs> remember DA, that? Yeah. Remember that great drop? Anyway, so um, and I remember when I remember saying to the old man, "What's going on in there?" And he goes, "Oh," and he was telling me about it. And I said, "Oh, yeah, righty, yeah." But uh, they were the days when I mean, haven't times changed? I mean, and I'm sure plenty of people will relate to this. When your old man would go to the pub and leave you in the car park. Yeah, with a lemon squash. With a lemon squash and a packet of chips. And then he'd come out every 20 minutes to check on you with another packet of chips and another schooner of squash. And all the... But you weren't there on your own. There were no, kids no, everywhere. All the other kids <laughs> that were, were left in there as well, yeah. And the, and the pubs that had the... I mean, some pubs even had the, the old school playgrounds, like the swings and the razzle Yeah, dazzle. that's right. To entertain the kids while their fathers are inside, and this is the thing. And I know times and times have changed, and we certainly wouldn't encourage it now. But then he'd drive us home. <laughs> no seatbelts in the car. That's right. Right. No seatbelts in the car. Drive home. Right. We get there. He'd be in trouble. Off me mother. Right. As all the right. Where have you been? You've been gone for hours. And she'd have tea cooked. And all the schooner glasses rattling in the back of the car <laughs> from the lemon squashes. <laughs> anyway, and I'm, I'm, I'm in those days, I don't think there was too many, um, too many households that didn't have a schooner glass from a pub in their glass collection oh, in the cupboard. Unquestionably, in the, in, yeah, in the we, kitchen. Had, we had a bunch, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely, mate. In fact, I could even have a couple here. But anyway, in fact, I know I have. Anyway, that's all good. I'll get them back down to uh, the Hawkesbury Hotel one day. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so, uh, yeah, I know. So, so, this is what we do. We get sidetracked, mate, don't we? Yeah, mate. Anyway, Let's... it's all part of it. All right, mate. Well, I reckon we should uh, just get into it here and um, talk about the Bush Tucker Man. Yeah. Um, if you're ready to roll with that. And um, and we'll uh, and we'll get into that now, eh? All right, mate. No, you're all right. Just get into it, mate. Okay. So, the Bush Tucker Man, Les Hiddens. Yep. Absolute Australian icon, certainly one of my heroes growing up. Uh, you know, used to love sitting there watching that. You know, the the tune that came on, terribly unfashionable, but geez, it got stuck in your head. What was the tune? Oh, look, you just keep talking. Oh, I'll find the tune here. Yeah, it was it was some sort of. Oh, it's not a whistle, but yeah. Yeah, mate, I'll find it. Was it. A good you one. just keep telling the story. Yeah, you know, and he had his iconic Akubra as well, the old Akubra sombrero shaped into a funky shape, and you know he had the penchant for driving Land Rovers. Yep. So, uh, and he was a major in the army. So, so Major Hiddens, he's 73 now. Yeah, it really? Yeah, and retired from the army, as you can imagine. Yep. Yeah, he saw active duty, actually. He did two tours of duty in Vietnam. Really? Okay. That's right. Uh, he was, and he, the first one, he was a forward scout in the infantry. So, that's some pretty hardcore yeah, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, he definitely saw plenty of action over there. 
Uh, of course, we know him best for the TV series, The Bush Tucker Man, and his expertise in bushcraft and survival techniques. Now, he learned a lot of this sort of stuff while he was um, in the top end after being awarded a defence fellowship to research survival yeah. in the northern part of Australia in 1987. Yep. And the idea behind the research was to be able to implement survival techniques for the Australian troops in the event that they had to be stationed up there for extended periods of time in the event of an invasion. Yep. So I think, you know, in the, in the late 80s, there was, um, you know, the Cold War was still happening and the Berlin Wall was up and... Oh, is here it? it is. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that takes me back. There's my phone again. I'll just hit the oh, button you're on that on one. Fire. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I think we were worried about Indonesia invading or, mm. or China or Japan or something like that. So the idea was to be able to get the troops up there and, and live off the land a little bit. Yeah, got the music going in the background. Oh, that's, down a that, bit. that's just fantastic. Go, look at this. I love it. Great chin. Um, one of the more yeah, noteworthy... You, yeah. go. Go one, on. of the, one of the more noteworthy discoveries that he made was um, he had a fruit, the kakadu plum, analysed, mm. uh, as he did with a lot of stuff, and it was found to have the highest concentration of vitamin C of any known natural substance, which is a bit of a... Bit of a freaky thing. It just goes to show how clever the indigenous people were. They knew what was good and what wasn't, and mm. uh, and that was a bit of a staple for them up there. So the research was turned into the TV show, uh, focused on Major Hiddens cruising around an old Land Rover and finding and describing plants that could be utilised as bush tucker. Yep. He'd often be seen cataloguing his finds for what would then become the Australian Army's military service manual, uh, survival manual, sorry, which was published in 1987. So he actually wrote a survival manual based on all of that stuff we saw in the show and obviously a whole bunch of other stuff as well mm, mm. that be became issued to uh, to all the Australian troops. So I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, an interesting fact, he also put out a bunch of other books, but one of the most popular is called The Bush Tucker Field Guide. Now, jump on eBay and try and find one. They pull big bucks. Like the cheapest one I've ever seen is 300 bucks. So this is a book that probably would have cost $17 in 1987. And, uh, and you just cannot find them. I've seen them go for up to $800. Yeah, right. Yeah. Really? It's just crazy. Yep. Yeah, it's incredible. But everyone knows the Bush Tucker Man. Oh, of course. Everybody. <laughs> so uh, he retired from the Army in 1989. Um, and this year, believe it or not, he, he sort of returned to the public eye a little bit by launching a website, bushtuckerman.com.au. So jump on that and have a look. You can actually subscribe to that for 5 bucks a month. Mm-hmm and get all of that information that, that he's picked up over the years in terms of, of what's edible and what isn't mm. up in the top end of Australia. And we're not talking about James Blundell here. We're talking about the Bush Tucker Man, just so you know I'm <laughs> listening this time. It's all good. <laughs> That's great. Mm. Um, and look, he was also awarded a, a member of the Order of Australia in 1987 as well. So he's done a fair bit. Yeah, he certainly has. The old, the old major. Yeah, and how good is it? And I mean, the thing is that um, the thing with him is that everybody... And some, I know people who refer them for, refer to themselves as the Bush Tucker Man. Like when they're camping, they get mates, oh, you know, they'll drop income. stuff off. They're oh, the Bush Tucker Man to eat that. Give it here, I'll eat it, you know, <laughs> and things. So, uh, and I reckon it's great, mate. And uh, he was, when you think about it, he was probably a little bit before his time when you look what goes on these days. Oh, unquestionably. And you oh. go and you go back and watch Ahead those of his shows, time. Mm. And, and you look at some of the shots and you think, well, they didn't have drones back then. So he's he's gone out and hired a helicopter for those shots. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it wouldn't have been cheap stuff to make. Yeah, geez, having drones, and you'd know this more than most, that drones have to be one of the best inventions of all time. Oh, unquestionably. I mean, we went out and did some filming with uh, your mate the other day with the Ram truck, and some of the drone footage is just fantastic. And things where people think that the, the drones are 
you know, get the big high shot from above, but some of the shots you can get just alongside the vehicle and just away, yeah. oh, mate, it just blew me away. And, yeah, uh, Sean and I have worked quite closely together yeah. on a lot of that stuff, coming yeah. up with ideas on, on different ways to utilise the drone, so yeah. it's not just, you know, the old drone shot for the sake He's of the He's very good. Shot. If you ever want to see a, a crash into a tree, that will be me. I mean, if ever <laughs> I do it, but... Uh, no, fantastic. Yes, I'll leave that one to the professionals as well, mate. All right, so the Bush Tucker man, do you reckon you got any more on him? Or that's no, mate, I reckon that'll do. So just so. give us the website. Watch his website. We'll give him a plug. Bushtuckerman.com.au. All right, there it is. And that is uh, Rico rediscovering Australia. And today he did rediscover the Bush Tucker man, although at one point I thought he was talking about something entirely um, different. And that's just me kicking back. Okay, we're going to move right along now. And we're going to get our man, or your mate, James Blundell, on the phone right now. James Blundell, good day, mate. <coughs> Sorry, mate. Of course I had to sneeze right when you said hello. I'm good. <laughs> well, we've, we've made a few mistakes here today, mate. And, and the, let me give you the tip here. This is a podcast, so we just let all our little stuff-ups and the dog barking in the background and all that stuff just go through, mate. So it's pretty real. Well, that's good. See, seeing um, uh, it's not uh, <coughs> a vision, I, I can tell you I'm, I'm sporting a... Um, a Bizarre injury from a kangaroo feeding exercise that went wrong. So um, it's good that we're just uh, we're just talking, not <laughs> not looking at each other. Oh yeah, I saw that. You ended up with a bit of a, a joey on your hands after you picked him up on the side of the road, mate. Where did you pick that up? That's pretty quick. Facebook. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, good. No, jo- Jolene is a legend. She's um, having raised a dozen of them over twenty, I don't know, thirty years. She's a she's a cluey kid. I don't, I'm going to have to find a permanent home for her. It's a bit of a wrench. She's a very very cluey little animal. Oh, there you go. So, so tell me about the injury. How, how on earth do you get injured by a joey? Well, <laughs> that's, that's the question. Isn't it? <laughs> and you would think that one of those bloody great toes that you get you, but no, I, I, I had a, in a pillowcase hanging off the back of a stool, like a bar stool, yep. in my bedroom, and uh, bent down in the dark at four o'clock in the morning. I was going to give her a feed to pick up a rug and just wallop myself right in the face on the back of the chair. <laughs> I thought, of all the, all the obscure ways to hurt yourself, that has to be right up there with the dog. Oh, nice, nice. So, mate, yeah. um, we were lucky enough to travel together a little while ago. We went from Magnetic Island over to uh, the, the Dirt and Dust Festival at Julia Creek. Tell me about your memories from that trip. Well, I can remember it was a lot of fun. And uh, I, I can't remember well, one particular day on a bitumen uh, for bit and then dirt. And God, it was a long dirt road and, and just choking dust. And uh, and uh, one stage of the game, because we had pretty strict rules on not drinking while we're driving, funnily enough. They <laughs> think about the law and all. But uh, I remember pulling up that afternoon when Tony Cook caught up with us. And that was, that was the most amazing night on the... Up near Charters Towers, that wasn't it? That was on the banks of the Burdekin River. There you go. The banks of the Burdekin River, just out was... of Charters Towers, and that was a cracker of a night. Yeah, it was. And he cooked, the, they don't call them marin. What do they call those big crayfish there? Yabbies. Yabbies. Yeah, well, that'll do. Okay, get, yeah, stick to it. But now, I meant to call you the other day because I was driving back from the Laura Boat Festival in South Australia, and I caught you on radio. Oh, really? Yeah, talking to someone about what you're doing next. Yeah, he know? was talking to me. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Well, yeah, mate, it was really good. Yeah, you're not going to believe it. That radio program, James, is on 100 and about 180 radio stations all over Australia, including yeah. Kicks Country Radio. And the intro for that song, for the, that, sorry, the show. intro song for that show, for the music yeah. bed, is from the beginning of your song down on the farm. I'm, I'm proud to be part of that because I just loved hearing you both doing your thing. And that, that's a new project. sounds amazing, right? 
Now, now he's wondering. He's not wondering anymore where all his APRA checks have been coming from. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly <laughs> right. Coming from the duck. Yeah. So basically, that, share. so yeah, so at the start of each program, because it's a radio show, it's a bit more fetic than this podcast. So it has music beds under our IDs and our intros and top of hours. So the actual theme song for that program is the um, the harmonicas and the whole you know start of that song. So thanks, oh, mate. mate. I just thought I'd thank you. I just thought it's very Australian, and that's Great what song. that's what our show yeah. is all about. When we'll when you when you hop off here, we'll play that song. Um, so yeah, people, man, and 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 back to you because it's a personal favourite that one. Rico met the uh, the girl I was engaged to prior to um, the girl I'm now with, and and the girl I'm now with after 37 years not seeing each other is my original girlfriend, who's Rebecca Williams, who's the Rebecca and down on the path. Well, so there you go. go. There yeah, you go, mate. Yeah, that's right. right. Anyway, so you're a part of that. You're a part of that program, mate. And like I said, it's on about 180 states. You would have been listening through Flow FM down there in South Australia. That was it, Flow. That's yeah, the yeah. Everything else on that station was good too, so it sat well. Yeah, no, it's good. And we're also on Kicks Country Radio too, mate, across Australia. So it's all good, mate. So you'll like that. But um, mate, taking, also, over the, taking over the world one bit at a time. <laughs> yeah, very small part, I can tell you. <laughs> mate, I saw you out at Big Red Bash a couple of years ago, mate. What was that like looking across at that sea of people out in the desert? Yeah, look, they're my favourite event for the simple reason that uh, I've spent 32 years of my life telling people who bother to listen that people don't live in the sticks because they, they can't cope with being in the sea. They actually live out there because they like their space and their privacy and their freedom. And, and I always find when a significant number of people make the effort to go to the middle of nowhere. They learn a lot about that very quickly. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's a big, it's a big commitment to get out to Birdsville. It's a long way from anywhere, but when you see what it does to the township and on the way, the places on the way through, you know, it, it, it's the best thing people can do is get out of town and have a drive around. It's, um, it's very good for them. Yeah, it's awesome, mate. We we're, were actually talking about music festivals in our very first podcast. Um, and of course, you and I were lucky enough to be at the Julia Creek Dirt and Dust Festival. You've done the Big Red Bash. Obviously, you'd have done a million of them over the years, mate. What's what's the standout for you? What's your favourite? And what's your favourite part of the the country to go and do these sort of festivals in? Gympie has always had a, a, a special place, personally, because the first time I went, I thought there'd be five hundred people, and I think a thousand the first one. It, it peaked at one hundred and twenty-five thousand people across the four or five days. Uh, it's a bit quieter this year, but mostly that's because their core clients are all at home trying to stop their places burning or trying to figure out how to keep things alive. Mm. Um, the uh, I, I love the Broad Beach event because, again, it's the opposite of driving out of Birdsville. It gets everybody into a really metropolitan environment and, and plays a healthy dose of really a, a very broad variety of country music, which, you know, Australia, I think, does better than anyone else. So I really think that our our, our basic genre is is broad and interesting so that's a good one yeah i've got to say to you, that one there you just mentioned i mean i remember meeting the organizers of that when that first started up and that, that was a bit of a leap of faith wasn't it but that's taken off that's, right. that's huge now i sat backstage with the skeleton crew they don't call themselves a committee they, they call the steering body that uh, and that, that, the, the relief was palpable because they'd really gone out on a limb and they thought they were, they were aiming for about two or three thousand people i think that's seven thousand people at the first one and now, I think this year they've calculated they have 70,000 people across the four days. Big wow. event. <laughs> That's crazy. But, uh, uh, Doug, there's a, there's a, some things are indelible memories. And, and uh, watching Rigo and Macca in uh, Speedos, goggles. And <laughs> 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 indelible. <laughs> the Dirt and Dust Festival. 
in in uh, in Gilda Creek is that that takes that you know that that's a bit hard to get rid of really. Now listen, we might have a mutual mate, Frank, at the Walkabout Creek Hotel. Do you know him? Of course. Yeah, yeah. and he t- and you lived near there or something. You worked on a property right not far from McKinley up there. Bull, Bull Creek, which is fourteen kilometres north of McKinley, and the that's bloke it. I worked for, wonderful bloke called Russell, Russell Pearson, was smart enough to say, "You guys are forbidden to go there." Unless you've been working very hard on it's a Friday afternoon, and every so often we'd go and uh, we had a we had a lot too much fun there. But see, that that pub used to not be on the edge of the land, for it was actually in the village of McKinlay. It was a classic weatherboard pub. So when they gutted it up for Crocodile Dundee, I think we lost a little bit of history. That uh, it was it was better the way it was. It might have been, but a lot of people would just be driving past it, mate. These That's days, right. <laughs> these days now they stop, and uh, he's done a Absolutely. great job. He's a real character, Frank. We've had him on yes, the radio. Right. We do a thing on the radio, which is a bit of a pub crawl, because we like to do our bit to not only help the country pubs, but to tell people to make sure they go to the local shop and buy a pair of jeans and yep. get your boots and your gear wherever you are, and and spend some money in town. And and it's probably yep. been one of the most popular things we've done on the radio is the pub thing. And oh, look, I, I completely agree. We just had. Uh, Wednesday last week, uh, Queensland Variety Club parked 450 people out on the place just before Stanthorpe burst into flame, basically. But stories about that, they had the, they came from Oakey the day before and pulled up at the Carrara Hotel just behind Warwick. And all every single cart turned up there and 350 people went in there. And if you figure out, they all spent probably 10 to 20 bucks each on a cold drink and a whatever. That public would have seen more cash flow in that that one day than they will in the next three months. You know, yeah. so you can't overestimate what you. I, I hadn't heard that that you're encouraging people to shop local and they're travelling, but all that stuff really matters. That's a that's a really good idea. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, it all adds up, mate. That's for sure. Uh, sure don't, does. don't they do great work, those variety club guys? I'm I'm always impressed, mate. I didn't. That, I, I can't do. They they do ten days straight and three nearly kills me. I don't know how they cope, any of them, but. Uh, <laughs> Just watching it, having the, the host property, just watching it, we cleared the site and, and then they turned up and threw this huge party. They all they turned up at 10 o'clock one day and they're all gone by 9.30 the next morning. You know, 450 people, 114 cars. Mm. Amazing. Yeah, it's, it amazing. is good. It is good. And, and, mate, there's a good reason we do it. When, when I mean, when the drought happens, and you'd know this better than most, when the drought's on and the, and the farmers are struggling, all of a sudden, the hardware store disappears, and then the other little yep. shop on the corner disappears. So, yep. it's not just the farmers. I know. Look, I know there's a big focus on the farmers, and so there should be. But I reckon that don't forget the you know the, the offshoots, mum, the mum and dad shops. You know the little businesses that are out there. That you know when farms are going good, they employ people, and then towns yep. grow. And then when when it all turns to shit. Well, then all yep. of a sudden everyone's gone, and so we've got to, we've got to remember that, which is why we we try to support the pubs at least, because the then you know this, mate. The pubs out in the bush are more like are, are they okay? They're great pubs, but they're also community centres and hubs for the uh, people out there. I, I've, so I've been saying this for a long time. Um, while the world becomes so politically correct, it's, it's, it's you know painful. Bush pubs, Australian Australian country pubs, are vastly more important than just a place to go and get a beer because, you know, people are not going to go and sit in the church hall and, and have a chat about what they got the shits about. You know, they will do it after they've had a couple of beers. A really great thing behind a bar at one of the wineries at home at Stanford, but no one ever had a brilliant idea after a second bottle of water. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and quite honestly, oh, that's, it, it is a social lubricant. You know, people mm. who won't talk, they they wind up at the pub and even if they wind up half-fisted, at least they get stuff off their chest. You know, it's a really, really important part of the environment. 
Yeah, yeah that's a no one ever had Did a he? great idea after a second one. Oh, that's very, order. very. That's, that's like how this podcast came about. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it, exactly. It was a couple of beers at the pub anyway, but um, that's where you are right. But mate, yeah, and that's and it's just, just a very important part of Australia, and and pubs especially are part of you know. I mean, that, some of those pubs created the the culture and the characteristic of this country. I mean, the I way agree. we are. Very, yeah. Very much agree with that. Yeah, Rico, I don't think he's, he might have seen it in photos, but I've got an old 42-foot Bedford bus that is currently resting. But uh, thankfully, <clears throat> my partner now it just loves it. So one of the things I would like to do as a sabbatical is once it's back on the road is just go and do a pub tour. It's run for a couple of weeks there. Oh, hell yeah. yeah no, driving well, well, around and, count me in. I've been working on it, yeah. mate. There's actually a Facebook page now called... And this is a good thing too. The pubs are... A, are awake up to it, and uh, and they're setting up for the campers and the grey nomads now, yep. and putting some facilities yep. in, and they're very minimal fees, if any fees. All they say is, look, you can camp here, you can use your shower, you can do all that. Just you know, come and buy a beer or a schnitzel or a steak and yep. say good day. And 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 a lot of the pubs are in it. And, and anyone who's listening to this podcast, and you'll hear us talk about it on the radio show. But if you haven't heard, get onto that. Country pub camping. It's a fantastic initiative, and there are Look, thousands of Again, mate, it's a great members. idea. Like you say, and it's also a genuine economy. It's not, it's not like I come and, you know, do charities, come and use the facility. It's, you know, it's, it's the way to go. It's yeah, and a, lot, and a lot of them are happy for you to do that. You know, it's fantastic. Mate, you get that bus up and running, and I'll come do my two song repertoire. It'll be great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you better be. Oh, man, like I say, you, once you started, there'll be no stopping you. You should have more than two songs under your belt now. Oh yeah, mate. I, I got a few. You don't get on the drink with that. <laughs> you don't get on the drink with that lunatic mate of mine, Adam Harvey, do you? No, I, I, I avoid him like the plague. <laughs> yeah, he's got me a couple of times. Eh? I remember one. We had a big drink a few oh, a few months ago, and I he was talking it up big, saying, "Oh, we'll kick on again tomorrow, mate." And all this, I said, "Yeah, beauty." When I rang him in the morning, he said, "You got to be joking." I, I feel like I've had an autopsy go away. So he's, at the end of the day, he's got – mate, I've got to tell you, mate, he's got nothing. He, he goes good at the time, but he can't back up. Uh, no backup, what, that's the thing. Yeah. God, J- James goes all right on the backup, yeah. mate. We had a few big well, nights in a row. That, Adam does too. I'm just I'm tossing looking, that up. You know, that's the thing. And, and uh, you got to – what do you say, getting your ambitions and your abilities confused because there's a period <laughs> when your kids are little. And the, the hangover you don't see coming is from a, a christening because your mates all turn up and it's all fantastic. But now there's this spate of 50-year-old 50, 50 birthday parties. Yes. Gosh, it took me two days to get my limbs anywhere near related to my body again after yeah. we just had one on Saturday. No, 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 I'm too old for this. Mate, yeah. I'm going to one in two weeks. So I must, you must be around my age, mate, because I've, I've been – I was at a 50th about oh, three weeks ago and I'm at another one in two weeks. I mean, and there's been a few around. Well, well yeah, prepare yourself, mate. Mm. No, just, it, <laughs> because you get there with all your friends and you think, yeah, yeah, we're good to go. And you, then you figure out 48 hours later that you're not 22 anymore. Yeah, well, mine was five years ago, mate, and I'm still getting over it. So, And so are the people that were there. <laughs> uh, look, yeah, I, yeah, I, right. I don't so even have to get on the drink anymore to feel like that. You remember that night we camped at the Gorge and we walked down for yeah. a swim and, and walked back up? Yeah. We walked back up and yeah. killed me. Mm. Yeah, no, that was a hell of a climb, and and it was so beautiful down the water. Too. It was like, just stay down here, get get the drone to bring food in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. didn't some bloke get a drone to go to Bunnings and grab a sausage sandwich? You yeah, got, that's right. Yeah. You, you got in the shit for that, <laughs> eh? <laughs> so we should. Oh, mate, I reckon it's. But that's but the, yeah, that's that thing we talk about Australian characteristic only in Australia. Yeah, 
would you see, you know, have you seen some of those Facebook pages, Straya and that song and all that stuff? I mean, yep. Yep. the stuff we do, and I mean, we never, Aussies have never taken themselves too seriously. And we That's just, exactly right. And we've got that, you know, yeah, okay, she'll be right. I mean, like, even the yeah. other day, the other day down at that, we're at a four-wheel drive show, and the wind blew up like you wouldn't believe. Like, we're talking 100k winds, and, mate, I just made yep. sure, and we, I just stood there, just get us another cold beer before you, they closed the bar. Because you're going, yeah. mate, the place is going to blow down, everyone's blowing up. Yeah. You're kidding, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, I, I remember that when that Yarchi was up in North Queensland, that cyclone, I had a mate of mine yeah. up there. I said, mate, what are you doing? You're up there getting ready to run. He said, you're joking. He said, we're setting up for the cyclone party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Yeah, yeah, that's typical definitely Australian Australian thing. Thing. All right, well, don't be a stranger, mate. We loved having you on your podcast as much as we can, mate. We've obviously, you're, yeah. you're a mate of Rico, so that, 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 you've got some issues. That's, that'll have to do. That's right. If, yeah, if, 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 Got a better class of friends, you reckon? <laughs> yeah, probably, but mate, we certainly uh, you got a bit of calm with us, mate, and you never know we could always um, come up with some things. Rico, you want to say something before we go? Before we play, before we go, yeah, you got a new song out, mate. I actually have. I'll, I'll probably get shot by the person I'm releasing through, but after we finish, I'll slip you through a sneak peek. Ah, oh, happy yeah, days. sneak it through to me, mate, and we'll play it on the other radio show too. Because, like I said, that uh, once you're allowed to do that, because that, like I said, we broadcast to over. 170 stations, including Kicks Country Radio. So, yep. uh, mate, we'll give it a run for you on the radio as well, mate, once you, once it's uh, released. Good man. No, good stuff. Yeah, Do you want to say anything else before we play? I'm going to play your th- – we'll lose you in a second. Yeah, no, um, we we'll, are we'll going cut him to off play. there, mate, before he gets any more dirt on me from the and trip we did. We'll play. Yeah, that's right, mate. <laughs> All the memories are flooding back. <laughs> you guys take it easy and drive safe out there. We will, mate. Good we'll, on you, mate. We certainly will, and we'll play the theme song from the Camping and Off-Road Radio Show right now, which is called Down on the Farm by that man, James Blundell. He goes all right on here, mate, doesn't he? Oh, he's a legend. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, uh, we'll get him on. Uh, certainly we'll get him on again. Here's this song right now. How good is it? I feel like I'm back on the radio all of a sudden. <laughs> you take it easy. Good on you. See good you, mate. Right. And here he is. James Blundell, Down on the Farm. Great song. I love this. And there goes James. Oh, oh yeah. Rebecca told me with my heart in her hand. My thoughts ran way too deep for such a young man. My love was broken, but I guess she was right. And I still think about it late in the night. And I got my education.
And there it is, Rico. How good is that? That was your mate, James Blundell. Yep, champion bloke. Absolute champion bloke, mate. One of my... Everyone's ears all right, because when he hung the phone up, all yeah. the volume went straight up. And so this <laughs> is the thing. This is what we want to point out here. I mean, obviously, we do a little bit of editing, but we want we want this to be real. So when that happens, you just got to cop it like we do. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> now, mate, one, of, one of my favourite memories from the show was travelling with James. Uh, mm. It's just was good times, genuine bloke. There's no BS with him. Mm, yeah, um, you can tell that. And, you know, he, he was very encouraging. One of one of my favourite things to do, which I'm very, very bad at, is muck around with a guitar. Mm. Uh, and I'll often travel with a guitar. And um, he encouraged me to get that out and, and have a bit of a play around the campfire with him. Mm. Um, if you jump on my Facebook page, there's actually a video up there I put up mm. a couple of weeks ago mm. uh, of James and I playing around the campfire. And, and for me, that was, that was probably the, the highlight of my time on the show it was just amazing you know playing guitar it's it's one of those things you don't have to be good at to enjoy and there's mm. not too many things like that sex is another one mm. you don't have to be good at it to enjoy it mm. uh, just move along yeah maybe golf mm. okay no you're kidding ah, me. come on look look the thing is with golf for people who love it are right in it they love it i'm going to tell you now i've got a very expensive uh, set of golf clubs here that, that were given to me by a mate of mine, Ray Hadley, from the radio. I've heard of him. Right, and a few people have. Now, I've got to tell you that um, he's a mad golfer. I think he plays three or up to four times a week. He plays in competitions and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, plays but, out of Castle Hill. I but believe. for me, it just ruins a good walk. <laughs> but I, I went to a, I went to our mate Coldy, who, who's uh, who people who listen to us will know. He put on a golf day one day, and that was the only time I've used those clubs. There's they're here, and yep. uh, the young blokes borrows them every now and again. But um, look, you're either into it or you're not into it. But golf's not really my thing. And as a young bloke, that was my thing, and, yeah. and that's actually you know. Well, I'm going to tell you something. In funny. year ten, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a golfer, and I was playing five times a week. Well, mate, I don't know if you ever met um, a bloke named we call him Rob Coldy, and he works at Coldy's since the fact he's called Rob Coldy. Anyway, he's this is a bloke who. The ultimate surprise packet, the things you find out about him. I've been mostly him for a lot of years. He played Australian schoolboys rugby league. Yeah. Never even knew he'd laced on a boot. We turned up to Coldy's golf day. He he walk, I walk in with the Callaways looking like Tiger Woods, or maybe not. Maybe like <laughs> maybe like maybe like Tiger Woods' caddy after maybe, he let, he, after he let like, himself go. Maybe more like John Daly after Yeah, exactly. Year. That's it there, mate. He was my favourite golfer, John Daly. <laughs> How good was he? There's Bluey again. Um, 
but Rob walked in with this old set of clubs that looked like they'd come from Kmart in the seventies, and we were we were like, you imagine we're taking the piss out of him, saying, "Mate, what about these things? I mean, what did you stop at a garage sale on the way here and all this stuff?" <laughs> anyway, he's put the ball down and just gone whack. It turned out in his day, and there goes that dog, and we've got to try and quiet him down. There, it turned out in the day. He was playing off scratch and could have easily played pro. Well, there you go. He's at cold. He's fitting bull bars. He's just one of those blokes that he's just uh, one you would never have known. He, um, I told him that. that and remember that in the old days, you used to get pennants. Yep. Like for sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, we were down in his shed one day having a few beers, and he and he brought the pennants out when he's wrapping himself about it. And good, so he should have. But I've got to tell you that he. Um, He's just one of those blokes. He just said, yeah, no, I've got to go to work. I'm not going to do play footy, you know, and all this. But he could have played at Penrith. He was over in that, in that area playing footy and they liked him and that. But he thought, no, I'm going to go and work. And oh. just they never, never had an interest in it. I mean, it's how many people are like that? It, who knows? You could have been in Jimmy Barnes's band with your guitar skills. Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. I've got one more funny golf story before we move on. Mm. I was at Riverside Oaks one day playing and uh, the Wallabies were there. So this would have been early 90s, I think. Pretty flash. Flash golf. I mean, for those of you listening to the podcast around Australia, I mean, it cost you like a 1000 to go and have a game of golf at Riverside Oaks. You yeah, must have been was, travelling at the time, were uh, It was pretty flash joint. And uh, the last of the group were teeing off, and uh, I, I can't remember who it was. I actually didn't recognise the bloke. He's a, a bit of a, a tall, darker fella, probably a forward. And he's rocked up looking a million bucks and all the boys are, you know, hooting and hollering and say, oh, look at this. He's got the cap and the socks and everything and uh, and the flashy gear and brand new clubs, shiny as you like. And uh, it's his turn to tee off. He goes and pulls the club out, strolls up, puts the ball down, puts the club down. And he just goes, ah, oh, shit. I said, what's wrong? Bloody left-handed clubs. <laughs> he never played a day in his life. He just bought a new set for the day. Was he left-handed clubs, is he? He bought left-handed clubs. See, I didn't even know. That. I didn't know that. What do you think left-handers do when they play golf? Hold the stick round the other way. I don't. Well, I know. I don't <laughs> play golf. Anyway, yeah, I got some left. I got some left-handed screwdrivers here for you later too, mate. Yeah. You can get onto them. All right, so mate, let's move along. We're going to um, talk about the Canning stock route, and then yeah. uh, we'll do a little bit on that. We'll um, meanwhile, I'll, while you're starting on that, I might just uh, go outside and give that dog a little bit of a shush up because he's. Uh, He's something he's out there. You know what, though? It is real, but, I mean, Bluey. I think, I think the magpies are swooping him, mate. Oh, Give it him be. some grief. It's that time of year. I know there's a stack of magpies here. Yeah. Yeah, no, we've got one. them in the morning, and I might just go and do that. While you start on that, you just keep talking, Rick, and I'll be one second. And this is about the canning stock route. Yeah, the canning. So the canning is uh, probably one of the greatest drives in Australia. Uh, it's certainly one of the most remote. And in that sort of... You know, the, the touring echelon of drives, it's one of the longest as well. So the canning runs from Halls Creek in the Kimberley region of Australia, uh, which is up there in the, the northern part of Western Australia, and it runs southwest down to Waluna in the midwest region of, South, of WA. So the track itself is a whopping 1,850 kilometres long, uh, and it is the world's longest historical stock route. The track was blazed as a way of breaking the monopoly for the Kimberley cattlemen that they had on the beef trade in the early 1900s. So the, the guys that were a little bit further down south, their cattle were being plagued by ticks. Uh, so the guys up north, they, they were getting good coin for the cattle. And there was just no way to get through to get the better cattle. Uh, in 1986, the w, WA government appointed a bloke by the name of Alfred Canning to survey the route. 
So Canning had a bit of a reputation as a, as a hard taskmaster and, and a, also a reputation for mistreating the Aboriginal guides he used along the way. Uh, he actually he needed those guys to help him find water. So the the requirements for the stock route meant that it had to be wide enough to be able to take at least uh, 800 head of cattle and be able to water them, you know, at least every day, every second day. So there are plenty of soaks out there, uh, which they eventually turned into wells, but he needed the guides to, to help him find them. And because he was worried they'd run away, he actually kept them chained up in handcuffs, which is uh, pretty horrible. Now, between... Um, or, and you know what? He actually went um, in front of a royal commission yeah, about right, his behaviour, okay. but they, they didn't convict him. Mm. Uh, between March 1908 and April 1910, the construction party started, and, and it was massive. It was bigger than the Burke and Wills saga, you know, and they, and they had a massive caravan of, of stores and camels and all the rest of it. Um, so the construction party was also led by Canning, and they created 48 wells along the way to make it a viable route. Now, it had cost them £22,000 back in the day to create it, which is around about $3 bucks in today's money. Mm. So uh, it just goes to show you how much money was in beef. Now, in 1910, commercial driving finally began, but perhaps not surprisingly, it didn't prove to be a very popular route because you think about is this, it. Is this Rico's rediscovered or is this the telling us about the Canning stock route? Oh, it's a little bit of both, really. Yeah, fair it? enough. No, no drama. It's a little bit of both. I like, the, I like the history behind mm. some of these, you know, why these places exist. Yeah. Uh, for me, the, the story is, is as much fun as, as going and driving it. Can you, is there evidence of all this when you're out? Have you done the Canning stock route? That's one I haven't done, mate. Yeah. Uh, it is right on the top of my yeah. list. I don't think Whitman's done it. I think he's run tours up there. Oh, I think Vic's done every track in Australia. Yeah, he's, <laughs> we should get Vic on here. I mean, we do get him on the radio a bit, so we don't want to give him too much air time. But, uh, yeah, I know he's done it. Yeah, so commercial driving began, like I said, it wasn't very popular. Um, and over the next 20 years or so, it sort of didn't really get used. But And the Aboriginals got pretty cranky as well because all of their, their water soaks, where they could easily go and collect water, had been turned into wells. Mm. And, and they had no idea how to use these things. And the wells actually took two or three strong blokes to, to actually wind the windlass handle to, to bring the water up. Uh, and out of frustration, they vandalised or damaged or, or even pulled them completely apart. Mm. Now, in 1928, there was another Royal Commission, this one not for canning, but, uh, but into the beef prices in WA. And once they resolved that, droving, uh, you know, the stock route was again a viable sort of thing because the money was there again. Mm. And so they started doing it and... Um, Around 20 droves took place between 1931 and 1959. Now, it would be driven from end to end for the first time in 1968. That's a while ago. Considering these days, even I think now you've got to get fuel delivered in the middle of it and pick it up on your way through out of drums. Yeah, that's right. So in 1968, that was that was quite the feat. You know, it was a, and again, it's another couple of surveyors, Wenholes and, and Chudley. Were what the guys what sort of a vehicle was that, do we know? I would imagine it would have been one of those... Um, like in 68, an old Land Rover or something. Oh, and probably not even. Probably would have mm. been one of those um, Chevy Scout type truck things, yeah, I reckon, right. like the old um, Tom Cruise Marlin used one to use. One thing I was to check with Mal Leyland because I know, I don't know if Mal's ever done the canning thing. Typically he would have. Oh, been. I'm sure he would have. Oh, we'll find that out. But anyway, go on. But as, nowadays, you were, as you were, as you were. Nowadays, the canning, it's it's seen by many as the ultimate test of being a machine. And, mm. You know, 1,850 Ks with... with uh, really nothing along the way except a bunch of wells. Mm. It's, it's a fair old feat. Now, this is it's something that can take anywhere from 10 to 20 days to go and complete it. Mm. It's a long way, and it's very rough. It's very rugged. It's not maintained at all apart from they, they keep it open at each end. Mm. Uh, so 
you never know what the conditions are going to turn up there and it, it is a known vehicle breaker. So this is a place that if you're only just sort of cutting your teeth into four-wheel drive touring... Oh, don't forget it. Absolutely. Yeah, it, you wouldn't do it. And, and to be honest, you'd want to go in numbers and you'd want to really prepare. For, I mean, you're talking, you know... A lot of water, a lot of food, a lot of fuel, and everything, and you still won't carry enough fuel. Yeah, that's right. It's truly best mm. left for the experience and the incredibly well prepared. Now, the big challenge out there is obviously fuel, given it's you know mm. one thousand eight hundred and fifty kilometre long track. Fuel can be sourced at uh, Billaluna, around one hundred and seventy odd k south of Halls Creek, and at Currawattagina. Cop that one. Mm. So uh, that's which, three times. Yeah, which is around thousand k's north of Waluna. Um, mm. Fuel drops can also be organised, like mm. you said, very expensive, uh, at well 23. But you've got to buy a full 44-gallon drum, mm. uh, which is a couple hundred litres. So if mm. you've got a couple of blokes there, it's not going to be a drama. Mm. But uh, you'll still be looking probably upwards of, of three or four bucks a litre. Mm. Better than walking. Too right, 1,850 mm. k's. Well, blokes have walked it. Mm. Uh, really? Blokes have cycled it. You would have, when you're out in, and I've seen it a few times, when we're out in the Territory and... Those blokes on push bikes. I know. In the middle of nowhere, and you say, so what's that? As you come yeah. along, and they're coming the other way on a push bike, and they've got the... Oh, and they're not, and they're in covered in real heavy clothing and nets over yeah, their heads they, and all that. And They've got the world's heaviest bags hanging yeah. off the side of the oh, bike. Oh, I've I seen just them. cannot see the fun in that. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a figure to maintain. Gee whiz, that's oh, no good. mate, fair dinkum. And you know what? Um, you know, blokes have done it on bikes. A bloke did it solo on a push bike. Yep. Just towing a little push bike trailer. Mm. Um, in the 80s, the first bloke did it in a two-wheel drive. Imagine doing that in a two-wheel mm. drive. It was actually oh. uh, one of those old V-Dub beach buggies. Yeah, well, I'd do that before I'd go on a bike, but a push bike anyway. All right, the Canning Stock Route, there's one for you, which you can do. And we, like we say, we're going to do some desert tracks on here. We've still got to get on to our ghost towns as well because uh, we haven't done that yet, but we will. Let's and, do that uh, next week. Oh, we can do that. We can do it whenever you like. So we do get sidetracked a bit. But that is our uh, desert track this week, the Canning Stock Route, and a little bit of a history lesson yeah. about it as well, why it is there for you now. And uh, no, well done, Rico. Uh, it is one of those tracks, like you say, it's one. It's on your bucket list. Yeah, well, like I said, I, I love knowing the, the history of the tracks, you know, where they come from, why they're there. A lot of the places we go as four-wheel drivers are a result of mining. Mm. So when you come across something that, that doesn't relate back to that, I find it, Fairly intriguing. Yeah. Or old rail lines and stuff. Old rail lines is another cracker, yeah. yeah exactly. It's time now to talk to Charmaine Perry. And she's on the line, Rico. Shazza, g'day. Hey, guys. How you doing? Going well, all right. How are you? We're on fire, just like you. Very good. Hey, I thought you guys would like me to chat today because, first of all, it's about beer. <laughs> but it's also about keeping the cost of beer from rising. So... Yeah, I thought you guys would like to have a chat about this. Yeah, because to stop the price, what the costs of beer going up, we don't want that. No. No, absolutely. Doesn't that so, happen a lot? You know, I reckon the best inflation I've ever seen, the best price increase I ever saw on <laughs> beer was when they brought yeah. out this, this, this return and earn scheme, yeah. right? So a carton of beer went up five bucks, right, because you're going to get 10 cents back a can, right? So I get yeah. a carton of 30. They go up five dollars. You take your key, empties back, get back three dollars. What happened to the other two bucks? I mean, fair income. I yeah. mean, it's just a, it's a <laughs> yeah. raw. If it's only a raw if you're not in it, and I'm not in it. So yeah. I don't. I donate most of my um, empties to the uh, men's shed. There's a local one round here, and oh, I'll donate them. Yeah, they've got a couple of bins around the place, and I normally just donate them there. And um, 
That's a great idea. Well, so in a way, it's a good idea because it's helping a lot of people raise money for little organisations like that. Yes, the many layers of the duck. All the many beers that are out there, so... um, Oh, all the empty bottles but, and I empty mean, it's cans. taking an extra five bucks out of your pocket. <laughs> you're not, <laughs> you you're not out, dropping it at these uh, locals. Look, yeah. The, the duck's on full empty, don't worry. Listen, you, you, you work it out, though. By the time you, they charge you five for the carton, you get three back, the fuel down, the time. Yeah. It's just yeah. easy for me to give them to men's shed. Too there right. you go. So, Shazza, Absolutely. tell us about this beer. Now, this is, the, the, we reckon this is going to help our farmers, yeah? Absolutely, and I want you guys to have a bit of a stab in the dark. So what do you reckon the percentage of beer that's actually sold in Australia is made in Australia too? Just oh, a stab in the dark. Well, I think the craft beers help that because there's a lot of local little breweries around the place now. But you've got, well, you've got Castle, Maine, and you've got Lion Nathan. They're in Australia. Yeah. And Coopers. I'm gonna, I reckon it's a fair bit. I'm going to say 50%. I, do you know it's actually eighty four percent? I was about to say it's got to be more than that, but I'm probably wrong. So it is, yeah, you add it yeah. up. Yeah. Wow. We've got some big brewers here, but then you've got all these. We've got new... some big drinkers here too. <laughs> yeah. Where you are they? Would have, you would have noticed all these little craft breweries popping up around every corner now as well, which mm. is great too. Great for the industry. Great for our economy. But look, the one thing that we want to ensure too is that those ingredients that are going into the beer are local too, which we do know is better for our farmers, better for our economy, and at the end of the day, that's better for our wallets as well. But the one thing that you guys might not know is that the Australian drought conditions at the moment, they've actually slashed the production to a 25-year low of grain. So that's forcing us to import grain for the first time since 2007. You know what? I wouldn't have thought we would have ever imported grain. Oh, look, given how dry yeah. it is. Yeah, I know right it's dry. Now. I know yeah. because of the drought. And these are things that people, this is what we want to do on this podcast. We want to come up with, we want to, you know, reveal this sort of stuff to people. But that's, when you, this is where these imbeciles that are in charge should be watering this country by channeling some of that water from the top end and of the country during the wet season and funneling it down and watering the place. Yeah, and, and not. Yeah. Not robbing the rivers to to give to the Chinese farmers mm. for their cotton like they're doing with the darling. It's just destroyed it. Mm. Anyway, Absolutely. Keep going, Shazza. And you do think, you know, you do think that grains are, you know, quite hardy. But the thing is, with all of this at the moment, it is not all bad news because scientists at the University of Sydney have actually been developing for a while now a drought-tolerant grain that they hope will help our farmers, which will also in turn help our beer industry to keep thriving as well. And the, the grain, it's not new, but it's called um, shredded barley. So it's, yeah, it's not a completely new grain, but the modification is to suit our climate. So it was first developed in the 19th century, and it was actually developed by tossing wheat and rye together. So you are getting those yields. Um, kind of potentials that you do get with wheat, but you're getting those environmental and disease tolerances that you get with rye. So the thing that the Sydney Uni researchers have been doing since the 1970s is continuously modifying and adapting that crop so it tends to our Aussie climate. So they've been really finding those particular traits in it that can cope with heat and low rainfall and also making sure that the grain tastes good as well. So that's so the, the big question. That, that's, well, that, well, that's a very important part of it, I can tell you now, because if it doesn't taste good, I won't be drinking it. Yeah, and this is from Absolutely. a man that has yeah, It has a name. This, beer, this is for a beer. That, what's the name of it? What, what, what's going to be the name of this? 
Uh, of the beer? Yeah. It's called the Big Dry Ale. Oh, I love the it. The Big Dry Ale. There How good is that? Big Dry Ale. Yeah. And and what they've done, so um, at the moment, the kind of crop, um, it's not out for kind of commercial release yet. But what these scientists did um, at the Sydney Uni, they gave some of the reverse, um, like some of the reserve grain to the brewers at Four Pines Brewery. Now, that's a, a brewery that's based in Manly in Sydney. And they've got creating and, yeah, have created this beautiful beer called the Big Dry Ale, which for now it's only available in Manly. But next year there's going to be a limited release of uh, this crop next year. So mm. we're hoping to see it over the next couple of years um, you know, appear in breweries across Australia as well. And what sort of regions is this uh, is this crop going to be grown in, do you reckon? Um, so the good thing about um, this rain is because it is quite heat resistant, you can grow it in areas that particularly, with particularly low rainfall, so you can grow it, um, you know, in, in dry areas that we've been seeing in Queensland and New South Wales as well. Oh, how good is that? Um, yeah, so that's really good. And and look, the reason, like I said, it's been around since the 19th, um, you know, since more the research has been around since the 1970s at Sydney Uni. But the reason why it hasn't been used before this is because it didn't actually have a great, um, I guess, mixing component when it came um, and brewing component with beer um, because they were saying that it kind of... Um, causes kind of beer hazes because it was quite thick and had excess levels of soluble protein in it. So now with these continual modifications, you're seeing that it's going to be better adapted for our climate, but also, you know, for production of beer. So it's a win-win on either side. I'm putting a veggie garden in. I'll start growing Absolutely. it here. I'll no, start growing no it here. No surprises there. This Mate, is a man that has... Duck yeah. I'm, I'm has... prepared to jump in on someone else's go. This, this little bloke has got two and, beer and fridges the, in the shed, not just one. Exactly. That. And the great thing too, it's got those flavour components of kind of spice rye and a bit of a nutty wheat flavour. So I think you guys would, wouldn't mind it, to be honest. Mm. I reckon if someone's out there and you're a beer maker, I'm prepared to um, I'm prepared to uh, <laughs> sample. I'm pre- no, 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 no. I'm prepared to do a deal on naming on naming. I imagine that. Right. Ducks, ducks Dry Brew or Do- something. Dr. Ducks, ducks Dry Brew. Eh? Ducks Dry. Quick. Trademark it. Ducks yeah. Dry. Quick. Ducks Dry. I'm Before. telling you. You know what? Absolutely. I'd, I'd love to hear what people would name a beer. I reckon that would be a cracker. Why don't, mm. why don't you send us an email if you've got an idea for duck. a great name for a beer. So info at rickowandtheduck.com.au. Yeah. Ducks Dry. Although all my mates would say, mate, yeah, ducks always dry. <laughs> anyway, all right, Shazza. So, look, you can get the hey. beer now. Yeah, go on, quickly. One thing I was going to ask you guys, mm. do you know the old Manly Aquarium? Yeah. Yeah, they're going to build something so, there. I saw something about that. You know what they're going to build? Brewery? The world's first walk-through underwater brewery. There you go. Well, How about that? Brewery. Why can't so, we have a distillery? That'd be great. I know. But, well, these these guys that um have made the big dry ale from... Um, Four Pines Brewery, they've actually bought the old aquarium. Yeah, right. So they're literally going to turn it all into a walk-through open vat. Geez, they must be making a quid. Wait, so yeah. Wait, so that's, and, and that's where these blokes are from the northern beaches of Sydney at Manly, and that's where you can buy the beer They now. are. And you get the beer yeah, over there now. Where can you get it now? Um, only at the Manly um, Brewery at the Big 
yeah, well, that's where you can get it at the Four Pines Brewery at the moment. But mm. with this limited release next year, mm. we really are hoping that a lot more breweries, you know, might buy some of it, have an experiment with it, um, you know, and then over the next, the coming years when the crops, yeah, kind can, of can you are hear getting me? a lot more yield per year. Shazza, can you hear my dog barking? I can. He's being swooped by magpies. No, I don't. I think there's someone here. But anyway, he's... You know, I, I don't know a bloke who wouldn't support a beer like that. I know I would. Hey, listen, just on that, you've got a blue cattle dog at your place. How old's your dog? We do. He's turning 21. There you go. Wow. How good's that? I knew that. That's why I asked you. I really want to take him into, you know, getting checked somewhere and, and see if he can make it on the Guinness World Record. I think yeah, you'll find that the oldest big. dog ever was a blue cat. <laughs> I think you'll find, and look, someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you'll find that the oldest dog was an Australian blue cattle dog, which is what we have here, and I think you do too, Shazza, and I think it lived till it was 24 or something like that. So you're a bit wow. out, you've got a few more years. Oh, you better wow. get him on the healthy food. My daughter, Courtney Naz, she'll tell me, but um, I'm pretty sure it, it could have even been older. It could have been 27 or something, but it was, it was an Australian blue cattle dog. I think it's the world's, on record as the world's oldest Dog was not, if, not around If you'd anymore. had a dog that long, would you take it to the taxidermist when it was done? Uh, I'm not sure. But anyway, um, he certainly he gets a good, a he fair eats age. very well. Mm. And Dad gives him the rub every night with a, with an arthritis cream. Okay, well, on that note, we're going to let you go, Shazza. <laughs> okay, we don't want to know what all your right. dad gets up to, all right? <laughs> okay, we'll, uh, all right, well, thanks for that. And we'll talk to you next week if we can find you, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right, catch you guys. We'll make sure we send that little bit of audio to your old man up there on the farm near Coffs Harbour as well. Thanks, Shazza. See you later. And that was our mate, our girl, Charmaine Perry. She does a fantastic job. And um, she used to work with us on the Ruthie's Australia program on the radio. And she works with the likes of Katrina Rountree. Does a lot of other stuff, and obviously uh, yeah, a real up. country girl. She, she goes stepped good. up now. She, oh, she, she, she stepped up now. She's working with us, exactly. Yeah, lucky dog gets a rub every night, eh? Oh, mate, anyway, we won't go there. Well, mate, I reckon <laughs> we're just about done on this week's podcast. Oh, I think we've been going be. for a while. Um, look, at as, as we say every week, you um, we don't take too many of our blues out of it and our mistakes. We make a few and we just let them run because we want this to be real. Yeah, absolutely. And it has been. Um, don't forget, you can send us an email at... At info at ricoandtheduck.com.au. So make, make sure, sure you shoot those through. Yeah. Uh, we'll reply to all of them. Yes, we certainly will. And we'll um, and, and we'll we thank you for those. Yes, and we received one from Ariad Boots. We'll get on to that too as soon as we get off here. Yeah, I mean, that's how good's right. that? And um, so if you... Uh, and look, if anyone out there wants to uh, talk to us about running some, you know, you're promoting your business through that, just send us an email to that email address at... Info at ricoandtheduck.com.au. You can send an email there and we can help you out with that as well. Uh, don't forget, uh, for if you love your podcast and this type of uh, thing, you certainly can check out the Camping and Off-Road Radio Show uh, podcast as well. Plenty of you do that and then catch it on the radio, as does James Blundell, as we found yeah, out today. Yeah, right. And there's heaps of good stuff on there, heaps yeah. of great info. Yeah, there certainly is. And look, just uh, before we go, we just want to thank again the people who came up and said good day to us at, um, at the show. Uh, at the four-wheel driving adventure show, off to Adelaide yeah. in a few weeks. My mind was blown. I I was shocked, absolutely shocked that many people were tuning in. Yeah, it was amazing. And we've only done two. This is the third and hopefully not the last. Um, but we uh, certainly do um, appreciate uh, appreciate people coming up and saying good day. And if there's anything that you want us to do on the podcast, you can send that email 
to that address as well. Rico, I'll catch you next week, mate. Look forward to it, mate. Yep, me too. And uh, like we say, thanks very much for tuning in to this week's podcast. And um, we're back to do it all again next week. This has been a Blue Collar Media uh, production. And uh, must put a little bit of the tractor's music like that. Oh, I'm digging it. That's good you stuff, isn't it? You're making it sound very professional. I know. It's what I'm doing. I'm learning as we go here. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back to uh, do it all again next weekend. Until then, if you see us out there somewhere, come up and say good day. <laughs>